I want to speak to you this morning on honoring God with your resources. Uh, last year we went through a good series in the beginning of the year and a number of us were really stirred to be obedient to God in the area of our tithes and offerings as well. And I want to just speak to you because these are biblical principles that we teach because if we don't teach them, we, I, I think you are robbed. And if we don't live that way, you're actually robbed from what God promises in his word as well. So I'm going to go over them and, and just highlight certain things there quickly this morning. But remember, these, this, this oil is burning because we preached on the, uh, the, the, the ten virgins. Make sure you fill your lamp with oil on a daily basis and walk with Jesus on a daily basis. So this is what we want to do this year. Our theme for this year is being switched on as be switched on, continuously be switched on, so inwardly and also outwardly to our community as well. So today, just a little bit outside of our theme, maybe I would like to say and speak to you a little bit on honoring the Lord with your resources. If your toes are right out there, then curl them in because I may step on your toes because many of us are disobedient to the Lord in this area. Honoring God, and I'm touching mainly on finances, but on other areas as well. The resources that God has given to us. Many, probably most of us, are not being faithful to God in this area of our lives. So, this is what you'll come and hear a couple of times today. Is don't give God something that doesn't cost you anything. And uh, we're going to turn to the scripture where that is repeated as well. Is that don't give God something that doesn't cost you something. All right, so, uh, so uh, but before we get that, uh, Carol and I love going to Thailand. We've been a few times, and, and a couple of things I like about Thailand. One is the people are just so friendly. They're just nice people. How many of you have been to Thailand in your life? You've been privileged to go over there. A few hands are going up. All right, uh, it is just a lacquer place to be. People are friendly. The country is beautiful. The sea is so warm. It is a major attraction for me and so on. So uh, I num normally come back a couple of kilos back and it takes me the rest of the year to get it off again so that I can go again. You know, so uh, but the country is, and, and, and shopping is an adventure. It's any woman's dream to go to Thailand and to go and shop. Now, I also shop. It's probably the only time where I walk from shop to shop to shop to shop and do it like seven days every day, two or three times. See the same things and buy nothing or buy something. But anyway, so... Uh, uh, it is a country that is known to bargain. They bargain when they sell stuff. There's a couple of rules in place because they, 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 they've, got, they've got some bargaining rules, if I can put it like a Zenos, just going to sell you anything. So there's three categories of, of, uh, uh, of uh, maybe shopping or selling or payment, payment for goods. Three categories that you can fall in. The one is a category category for foreigners. So they'll charge you something that is really above their price that they're willing to settle. And I'll come back to that in a moment. All right, so, so that's a foreigner's price. So they charge you this price and then... Um, and then if you, if you bargain a little bit there and, you, and you, you've got the guts to do that, they come back to what... Uh, they, they, it's, it's a good deal. This is a good deal. This is a good deal price, okay? Um, and, and then they will... But then there's a local price. Now, if you're not a... Thai person, you're not going to get stuff for the local price. Uh, that's out, you know, unless you get a Thai person to buy it for you. Now, normally, what I'm talking about now is, is relating to clothes. Not in your general stores, you can't bargain there. Not in uh, your restaurants, you can't really bargain there. But on the street stuff, where we get most of our stuff from, is you can really have a lack of time of bargaining. Let me illustrate to you what I mean by exactly that. That um, if you buy a t-shirt like this, for instance... All right. If you tie a t-shirt like this, 
You know, last year we gave them away, Tana, because we were so embarrassed. This year we're selling them for big bucks. This is an old one. I need a new one. I need one of those Spider-Man ones. Oh, sorry, that's not the t-shirt I bought in Thailand, though, but I just wanted to make a point. My blood is so blue at the moment. That's why I've got blue in my shoes, blue in my shirt this morning. But here's a, a, a shirt I bought from there, from Thailand. I like a shirt. I wear it. Every second day, I jump with it. I do all kinds of stuff with it. It's from Colanta. Uh, it's just a beautiful shirt. Now, if you go into a shop and you want to buy the shirt, they're going to start, start you with a foreigner's price. 200 rand. 200 kwacha. I don't know. What do they deal with there? That money. 200. 200 bucks. Baht. 200 baht. That's it. 200 baht. So they say 200 baht for the shirt. And then you mustn't be rude. Because if you're rude, they show you the door. You know, Carol and I, one day we over, over bargained a little bit, and the tiny someone just said to me, out. <laughs> I said, I want to, now out. You see, and, it's, and it looks woos then. Yes, but then suddenly, you know, the anger of some God rises in them because they get woos in them. So out. So now you mustn't be rude or abrupt because uh, there are certain nationalities that they actually don't like to bargain with. And I'm not going to tell you who they are because some of us may come from there. It's they, they, just those kind of people from those places we're not bargaining with because they're rude and they're abrupt. Because they're gentle people. But there's a bargaining culture there. But now you start and you say, no, 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 no. You start walking away. They say, wait, 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 wait. Good price, good price, good price. What is a good price? And then they come down and they come down. And you've got to learn where your limits are. And you only learn that now. Been there two or three times. So you learn your limits. And, and then when, when you know now, now, you, now you're not going to get blood out of the stone anymore. Then you buy. Because now the word out comes next. Out. Okay. So then you buy at, at, at a bargain price. If you try and go local price, you are going to walk away disappointed. You're not going to get what you want, all right? So, uh, so I'm c coming back to this issue of bargaining a little bit now uh, in a moment as well. So also, this week, I stopped at a traffic light. And I like some of the entrepreneurs at the robots. They sometimes get a little bit in your face, and you sometimes really want them to move on, and they sell stuff that you really don't want or need. But I needed a new bag for gymming, okay? So I thought... And if you gym with Peter and me, yes, that bag needs replacement. Peter, I actually want to give you maybe one of these. I'll get, get you one because, yes, your bag is really terrible. And, and your wife works for that company that gave you that bag. I think, I think new bags are, are sort of the good thing. And, and me? Pete. I've got a new one as well. Okay, sorry. Okay. Anyway, so I see the guy at the traffic light, and I said, how much? And he says, 200 rand. Now, I knew that I could get him down, but I didn't. I decided to pay the full price, and I'll tell you why in a moment. So I pay the full price, and I pay him the 200 bucks, and I drive away. Or I, just before I drive away, I'm looking at my review murder, and the guy two cars behind me is bargaining this guy down. And I see him take out a 100 rand and maybe a 20 rand or a 50 rand. And I think, Blick Scottle, he's getting something for a bargain here. I pay 200. Actually, I didn't feel that at all. I just said, Lord, bless that man. Because he's poor, and I hate bargaining with a poor man. I hate bargaining with a poor man. You know, if you can't buy the bananas at the traffic light, then don't buy them. But don't argue a guy down that only gets like 10 cents per banana that he sells, or a guy that probably makes very little on a bag. Then don't buy the bag. So I, I, I didn't bargain. I didn't regret one moment that I didn't bargain. I actually smiled, and I thought, you know what? He probably thinks, <laughs> I got that guy and that car in the front and this guy. And I don't care what he thinks. is because a while ago, the Lord said to me, don't bargain with a poor person who will 
probably not eat if we all bargain with them because they can't sell their goods for a profit. So that's just where I am. But you know what I've worked out about you and me as individuals, if I can just find the clicker? Daniel, where did you hide it? It's on side, it's not on the top. It's not about? It's not on my Bible. It's on my Bible. It's amazing. Okay. Daniel, you're off the hook. All right? So even when, when it comes to God, we are looking for a bargain. I'll give you the scripture in a moment, but, but it's true. When it comes to God, it, we are looking for a bargain all the time. So, so, so we want to we wanna get the best thing from God at the cheapest price. You say, where are you going, Rulof? I'm telling you, that's how most Christians live. I've done in this business, I've, I've been here too long to know that I'm not right. First Chronicles, we're going to go there and read it quickly. First Chronicles 21, just turn with me on your cell phone or your iPad or in your Bible. I would love you to bring your Bibles to church so you can follow me and see that I actually preach from that book and so on. So uh, this, uh, this passage, I think, is also in 2 Samuel chapter 24, and it starts a little bit different than maybe in your version. Uh, if you go there, you'll see it starts a little bit different. But in this one, it says, Satan rose up against Israel and enticed David to take census of Israel. Now, it doesn't say why this was wrong. But I, I've drawn some conclusions why I think it was wrong. And I want to share that with you this morning uh, in my, in my uh, uh, chat to you, with you as well. So, so David rises up and he gets his, the army commanders, he gets Job. I'm paraphrasing the scripture a bit here, so otherwise it's a long one. It's 30 verses. And he says to them, go, go and count the Israelites. Go from Bathsheba to Dan and count all of them. Joab challenges the king. Now in those days you did not challenge the king, you would lose your head. You would die. So he challenges the king and he says, to, 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 he says Sir, listen, uh, uh, this, is not, this is not a good idea. And he says this, read it in verse 3 with me. May the Lord multiply his troops a hundred times over. Whose troops? The Lord's troops. May the Lord multiply his troops. And then he says to David, he says, my Lord the king, and he's obviously very respectful because he could go to a butcher shop after this. Are they not all my Lord's servants? Whose servants are these anyway? Why are you counting him? Why do you want to do this, he says. Why should you bring guilt on Israel? The scripture does not tell us why. He said, why should you bring guilt on it? Maybe it is possible to find a verse where God actually forbid them and said, don't count the scripture. But I'll get to some practical principles here. So now, David is quite tough and he says go out and count them anyway I think it took them something like seven years to count all the people and they went from this side to that side and Joab was a little bit tough and he excluded some of the tribes and he just was so absolutely duck back with with David that he says I'm not going to count this one and that one and he excluded them he goes back and he gave the numbers and they are there in your in first chronicles but in verse 7 this command was so evil in the sight of God, so he decided to punish Israel. Here's a king and his commanders doing a wrong thing, and God says, because of this king, these commanders, I will punish Israel. My dear friends, we know in the country and the world that we live in, when leaders go wrong, that people are punished through their wrong behavior as well. Doesn't sound right, but that is the way it happens. So David suddenly wakes up, now he's scared, he's, he's seen the wrath of God before, and he says, I have greatly sinned by doing this. Now I beg you, take away my guilt. I have done a foolish thing. And then the Lord says to the overseer, and he says, go, go back to David, and say, David, um, you've got three options. Three options, you've got to pick one. 
So pick one and the other three options. He says three years of famine or three months of being swept away before your enemies with their swords overtaking you or three days of the sword of the Lord. In other words, the angel of the Lord, the angel of death will come and wipe out three days or wipe out people. David knows God and he says, God, please, 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 please. I don't want to fall in the hand of my enemies because they are ruthless. I will rather fall, go and read it, I'm paraphrasing. I will rather fall in the hand of the living God because he is more merciful. Now you tell me if the next vo- verse I'm giving you is merciful. So God lets loose the angel with his sword and he kills 70,000 Israelites. I said, Lord, some of the Old Testament stuff, I would love to have a cup of coffee with you in heaven one day. I think there will be coffee. I really think, Mocha Java, I really think so. So I really want to chat with you. This doesn't sound, anyway, let's not go there this morning. So David now, he's now really bang. You know, he, 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 he's seeing these people being wiped out. And then the angel of the Lord is just having a wild time. He just, read it, I'm paraphrasing, I'm storytelling. And he just cuts, he just Kills him with a sword, kaput, you know, and there's just Israelites all over the place. And suddenly God says, stop, that's enough, that's enough. Too many are dying. In verse 15, I said, enough, withdraw your hand. So the angel withdraw the hand. And then he goes to David. The Lord says to David, go tell David, build me an altar. So the angel goes there and he says to David, he says, David, Go build an altar to the Lord so that the Lord will withdraw his sword. And now going on to around about verse 18. So David gets up and he's obviously worried, scared. He's the leader. And he goes out and he ordered, uh, uh, he goes to a guy um, called Aronah in verse 20. And Aronah is busy on his threshing floor, uh, threshing floor and he's threshing wheat there. And this is obviously his business. So he's busy doing this stuff there, and, and David walks up to him. And you know what? If you lived in those days, and the king with a couple of soldiers came to your shop, you didn't know, is he buying a Coke, or is he, is he coming to, to slaughter you? So he lifts up it, and he says, and he says, my king, what is your business coming with to me? And the king says to him, and let me find it here quickly in verse 22, let me have the sight of your threshing floor so I can build an altar to the Lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. Sell it to me at a bargain, full price. Um, 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 sell it to me at full price. All right. So Aaron now looks at the David, David and he says, no, 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 my king, take it. Here's my, my land, my threshing floor, here's my oxen, here's my wood, here's the grain. Everything is yours. Just please, just take it. And David then says this to the, he could have, he was the king. And, and, and the owner of the land just says, take my business. Take it, have it. And so David says to him in verse 24, no. I insist on paying the full price. I, listen to these words, will not take for the Lord what is yours. Or sacrifice a burnt offering that cost me nothing. That's what he says to, to this guy. He says, I am, so he takes out money out of his own pocket, not out of the pocket of the, the, uh, uh, the palace or whatever. And he takes it out of his own pocket and he pays the full price, 600 shekels, which was a lot of money in those days for the land, gives it to the guy and the, you can read the rest of the story there. Very interesting. 
Very interesting story here. And I want to just draw some conclusions from this and help you live a little bit with understanding this passage. But before we go there, let's summarize it now again. David, taking a census, God is cross. Three, sends, sends the angel or send the seer to him. Three choices, seven years of, of famine, three months of fleeing before your enemies, three days of pestilence where, where we will, my, the angel will wipe them out. David realizes his choice was bad. He says, let's rather fall in the hand of God. He's more merciful. And the angel goes out and kills 70,000 people. Then he wakes up and he, the angel comes to him again and saying, go and buy a piece of land, build an altar to the Lord, worship me. He goes and he could get the land for free, but he doesn't. He pays the full amount for it because he did not want to take and take from a person who was not guilty, take the land and pay for his own guilt. Key lessons here this morning. I'm going to step on your toes a little bit here. And we are not in need of money. I'm not doing it because the coffers are empty. I'm telling you a biblical principle that I've lived by since I was a little picky like this. I remember going to my church with my tie on and my mustard shirt with my mustard suit with a tie that matched. And I was this high. And my daddy who gave me 20 cents or something like that as pocket money would say, Rulof, go and give God what is his. And I would go there. I think 10% of 20 cents is 2 cents. And I would go there with my 10% to the Lord. And I would give God my my two cents with such joy in my heart because that is what I wanted to do. Not because I had to do, but I wanted to be obedient as a little picky to the Lord. And since then, this high, I think maybe that high or maybe a little, I've done it. I've done it. There were times that I thought, I can't do it. And there, I must admit, when we were young, for three months, I didn't do it. And I felt so guilty, I paid God back. I paid God back and I said, I'll pay you back. Because it's a biblical principle. And the Bible says, if you honor me by paying your tithe, will I not open Malachi, the floodgates of heaven? Don't tell me I'm preaching prosperity. I'm preaching the word of God to you today. And I'm not talking to you from personal greed and therefore preach it. I'm talking to you from a biblical principle for your sake and my sake as well. You see, my dear friend, we are constantly looking to bargain with God in everything. Not only in our finances, but very much in our finances as well. But not only in our finances. Lord, you know that I cannot live with this woman. Would you like to live with this woman? I'm divorcing her. Uh, but God, you know, I know you will forgive me. And then I will just find another one that doesn't talk so much. Or whatever. Good luck. <laughs> he says good luck. There ain't no woman like that. Okay. All right. See, we constantly want to bargain with God. When he says the principle is, I hate divorce. The principle is you must tithe. Bring your tithe into the storehouse, the whole tithe into the storehouse. Not parts of it, the whole tithe in the storehouse. Obedience, and then I want to bargain with God to get a good deal and all. To get it on a local price or a bargain price instead of just paying, like David, the full price to God. You see, I want to bargain with God without paying the price. That's how we live as believers. And if you're getting a little bit hot under the collar, maybe you are guilty. And let, let, let me tell you, I'm saying this because I believe that if we honor God, there will be a release in us so that we can do much more for God and, and touch this community. We want to, and that love, we're going to the schools, my dear friend. We have put a budget of 50,000 rand just to go into schools and bless the teachers and, and go into uh, the Rand Park Primary and some other schools and say, you know, we're here to pay some school fees. 
We want to bless some of these children that can't afford their school fees. And in order to do this, I don't want to make appeal after the appeal or beg. And I, we don't do this in this church. But we're talking on principles that is important for us to obey as well. So David, what, what was the problem here with David? Here's one important thing from David's life. Is David, I think, trusted in his own strength and not in God's. Why am I saying this? Because David sits there and he says, you know, it, it, it was a war-torn kind of area there. People were fighting one another all the time. So he gets up and he says, you know what? I better see how, much, how many soldiers I've got. I want to count my strength. I want to see if I get into a war that I can cope and who I must pick my battles with. And, and, and I remember the story of Gideon where Gideon had an army that, that, and, and he just nailed them down to 300. And God says, I will be your strength. The Bible says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. But all the time, what I want to do is by my own strength and by my own power, I want to live this life. And God looks at, at David and says, David, I'm so disappointed with you that you trusted in your own resources, in your personal army, and not in me, the God who will fight your battles for you. I think it's a little bit like that with our finances. And I'll come back to that in a moment. There are few people, I think, that are really living by faith when it comes to their finances. Oh, we all pray prayers. Skit gebek is up to the Lord. Yeah, you've got to help me. I can't pay this credit card off. Uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, all of us pray those kind of prayers. But few are living according to, by faith when it comes to their finances. There are few who trust God explicitly for their provision. Because many of us think, I can do it. I'll just work harder. I'll just sell more. I'll just get a better job instead of trusting in God's resources as well. I know a few people and only a few in the years of ministry that I've been involved that give above their personal abilities. And I, I'm burning to give you a testimony, but I don't know if I should. But in the next few weeks, I'll decide what I'm going to, of, of what God has spoken to Carol and I about over the last couple of years. And, and remember, I've been saying generosity, generosity over years. We have been blessed in our lives. There's times where it was dry. The fridge was empty. But we've never, the Bible says the righteous man's children will never go without food. And we have seen that in our lives. And we've seen that in our lives. Because we've always been faithful. And in the last couple of years, God has done more than what we, because we have become more generous. And I wish I'd learned this principle when I, or obeyed this principle when I was 20. Not just tithing, but being generous. And I wish I can tell you all the stories, but some of you think I'm going to boast. And I don't want to do that. All right, so, so you know, a survey was done by a, a group called Barna. Uh, Bana Research Group, and, and, and they've done some years ago a survey among pastors. And this is what they found, that 71% of all the pastors they interviewed said this, that the church of today has changed from stewards into consumers. Research. We have changed from being stewards into consumers. You see, They identified, and, and they did it obviously among born-again that believers, born-again believers, that these born-again believers are disobedient. The numbers is significantly dropped in people being obedient to the Lord when it came to their tithing. All excuses I've heard. My friend, don't phone me tomorrow. Don't email me and say, Rolof, I'll take you for coffee and just tell you really what the Bible says about tithing. I know what the Bible says about tithing. I am living it. I'm doing it. My kids are doing it. My wife is doing it. And if you want to take me for cup, you're going to waste your energy. I'm just going to drink your coffee and I'm going to go. 
and we'll do the coffee first, and then I'm going to go. Because there is no argument. It is in the book that I read, that I study, that we preach. All right? So let's go on a little bit there. They've done this research, and they say that it is significant how many people say, I do tithe. And when they actually really check these people, that very few of them actually tithe. So they even lie about their tithing. And they're giving to the Lord. Of us in this church, and I can only preach to this church because that is what God has made us overseers of, are not being obedient to the Lord and bringing our tithe into the storehouse. If we do, my dear friends, we will rock this community with the goodness of God. So we do not obey. And, and you know, this is how we bargain with God. And we say, God, you know what? I trust you. I believe in you. But I, I, I just can't tithe. But, 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 but God, if I don't give me your, my, my money to you, I will, I will tithe with my talents. You tithe with your talents anyway. Don't bargain with God. Just do what is right. Just do what is right. That's my philosophy. That's the way I want to live is just do what is right. Oh, God, but, but you know what? I can tip you after I've taken all my luxuries and my expenses off. I will tip you. Because I think for most of us, we've translated the word tithing into tipping. Instead of saying, I'm bringing my tithe into the storehouse, I'm saying, I'm bringing my tip into the storehouse. You know what, I'll tell you what, I'll read you a scripture next week or the week after this. About that is an abomination to God. That's what the Bible says. So I'm not cross with you, I'm just saying, come on, let's be obedient. Let's be obedient. We'll never see the blessing of God in our lives if we're not obedient in the basics that he instructs us. And tithing is a basic. From Genesis to Revelation, you're going to find it. I've studied it. We've searched it. We've tried to not do it ourselves. I've tried to find verses myself that says I shouldn't be doing it. Because it's nice to spend more money on myself. All right? So, so, so what I'm saying to you is, oh, yes, people are saying, you know what, God? I, I'm a pensioner. I've got to look after my investments. Are we not saying then to God, God, I can't trust you that your armies will be big enough to fight my battles when I'm on pension. So I'm going to be disobedient because I don't trust you. I'll do it my way. I will count my pennies and squeeze them because I'm not trusting you. Be obedient to the Lord. Do his will. That's what the Bible says. You see, because I'm telling you, my friend, when we disobey God with our finances, we are actually expressing a lack of faith in his provision. That's what we do. We're expressing a lack of faith that God can provide for us. Now, most of us have messed up, and I'll, we'll teach on that maybe in a month or two, one sermon as well, is how do we manage these resources? It's, it's not only our tithes, but our day-to-day -day money that God has given to us. Most of us are so in debt we cannot breathe. Your credit card and your husband's one and the four others that you've got, and you've taken a credit card out of your baby in your baby's name as well, and, and every email that comes to you that says, I can give you 100,000 and banks, if you send me one more of those, I will do it. I will take all the money out and I'll never pay you back. That's what I thought a while ago. Because then you get it and you say, we can give you 200,000 and we can give you 100,000 and they are killing us. And then you go and pay it back at 24%. We can't get out, but we'll teach on that another time. You see, what we're saying to God is, I can't tithe because I don't know if you're going to provide for me. I don't know if I'm going to provide. We are just being disobedient to the Lord. That's how it is. You see, the culture in church today, my friend, it is true. There is a culture of taking and not giving in church today. That's the culture. 
Yes, it is true, according to Barna Research. And it is true, even in every church that, 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 that I know, and even in this church, to an extent, it is true that there are more consumers than givers in every local church. I wish that it would be the other way around. More consumers than givers, and I wish that we would turn it around and say we are more givers than consumers. And that only, not only with our money, that comes with our time as well. You see, David said, I'm gonna buy your land. I don't know, I said, take it. David says, no, 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 I am not gonna take what is, what is yours. I am not a consumer. I am not a consumer. I will pay for this land. You see, we had a discussion some time ago about some of the properties we're buying behind you and, and so on. And, and, and one person says, no, no don't, don't you go now as a church and offer the money. I, I will rather offer the money. And I'm thinking about, about all of these things. And, I, and another person says, wait, start building and they will quickly sell you the properties at half price. I think that's a good, that sounds like a good deal. But is that honoring to the Lord? They say, I will... I don't know if this is a good word, you know, S-C-R-E-W. Is that a good word? Spell it still in your mind. It's not a good word, eh? I will nail my neighbors. I will do them in because it's all for the glory of God. Oh, we'll get this house at half price for the glory of God. And then your neighbors look at us and say, this church has worked me over. They took what is mine. We will not do that. So we went to our neighbors and we do to our neighbors. We'll buy, we'll buy these houses. We bought two of the four already. We'll buy them at a market-related price so that you are happy and we're happy. Don't overdo it, but we're not going to undo it, underdo it as well. And I learned that. And I looked because this is what David says. I'm not going to take what is yours and offer it on my behalf unto God. I'm not going to do that as well. So David was instructed by the angel of the Lord. He says, build this altar, but you pay for it. You go and do that. You know what? Today, this consumerism kind of attitude in church, my friend, it's like I said, if you feel like you never want to come back to this church, is go and have coffee with Peter and with Jock, you know, but, but we, we have this attitude as Lord, as long, Jesus, as long as you can meet my needs, as long as you give me what I want and what I need in life, uh, which it starts with forgiveness and then it adds up and passes, as long as you can bless me, I'm in. I'm in. But, but then we take it a bit further and we say, oh, I'm going to this local church. And as long as they meet my needs, I'm in. And we just use different words for that. I'm in. Uh, and then we take it and say, as long as the pastor or the leaders perform, I'm in. Consumerism. Oh, they better teach my kids right there. Or they better lead this youth well. And we are trying our best to do that. But listen, let me tell you something. It's not our responsibility to teach your kids well. It is your responsibility as mom and dad to do that. We can just help you and assist you. But if you don't teach them the word at home, don't expect us to make your mistakes right. Oops. Some of you say, I should never have come to this church. I can still withdraw my... I'm not even buying coffee here this morning. All right, so, so consumerism, it's killing the church. It's killing its effectiveness. It's all over like this. 90% of us are spectators, 10%. And, and actually, it's 2080. That's the, that's the formula in most churches. It's 20% 20, 20 do all the work and 80% do all the criticism, the watching, the criticism. Get involved, folks. Give of yourself. Become somebody that says, I will build an altar at my, and I'm not going to make it cheaper here. I, I'm not looking for a bargain, God. I'm looking to give my life to you. 
I'm looking to surrender to you. I'm looking to hand everything over because that's exactly what you did. Jesus, you gave everything. You handed, I mean, he left glory, honor, riches, power, everything in heaven to come and spend time to save you and me. That's a sacrifice. And I would love us to live like that in our own lives and in our own church as well. So David made a very righteous choice. And he says, I insist on paying the full price. I insist on paying the full price. Lord, I insist on giving you my best. I insist. I cannot repay you, God, but I insist that my, my commitment is 100% and not 40 or 20%. I insist that in my finances, in my service, and everything that I do in this church, I insist. Lord, I am not looking for a t-shirt below bargain price. I'm not looking for a t-shirt that, that goes for tie prices here. I'm looking to give my best to you. Lord, I'll pay 200 bucks for this t-shirt to glorify you and to honor you. Then, let me tell you something. We, we as a family, we served God passionately since, since Ka before Carol and I met. We did it before we met. We did it while we, while we were married. We're going to do it after we married, even in a bigger time after we go to heaven. Because then it's going to be fantastic in the presence of God. Our kids, we took them. Those of you with young kids, stop saying to me, I can't do this, Pastor, because my kid needs to go to bed at 7 o'clock. Where in the Bible does it say that? Your kid must be to bed at 7 o'clock. You know, we took our kids in cots, in prams, in the pillowcases, to prayer meetings, to elders meetings, to everything. They heard all the stuff we discussed. They were there. They grew up in the church. We showed them how bad and how good the church is. And the thing that we said to them, he said, the church is a bit of a, because look at all these people here, kids. They're not all perfect here. But let me tell you, Jesus is. So keep your eyes on Jesus as long and as best you can. And I'm almost done because the, the next lot I will have to preach. Peter's very proud of me because I've only preached half my sermon this morning, you know. But let me tell you what I've worked out in my life is that good koop koop is dear koop. Weet jylle wat het is in Engels? Let me explain. Good koop koop is dear koop. You want me to explain? In other words, if we buy stuff on the cheap, most of the time, Bargains don't last. Most of the time, this is a good t-shirt. I mean, if you want to feel it, to believe it, it's, a, it's mine. Eh? I've jumped with it. I've sweated in that. You really don't want it. I've only worn it yesterday. So, okay. So, but if you buy a real good cup t-shirt, it doesn't last three washes. You know, a friend of mine who's a, who loves his tools and he's working with his hands in the church, and, and, and I said to him a while ago, oh, you know, he, he says, Rulof, your spanners are not going to last two months in my workshop. It's good koop koop this. You're going to buy him. So vrachti, three months later, I had to rebuy my drill. And he still got his drill that is now 20 years old. Because he didn't good koop koop. You see, in English it says, if you buy cheap, you spend more money on the long run. I think in our faith, good koop koop is dear koop. We've got to give God our best. We've got to give God our everything and it's got to do with your talents, your tithing. I was so blessed by Robert Morris's teaching we did last year. And I'm telling you, folks, 
I will share some of the testimonies with you. If you have got a testimony of God's goodness and blessing in your life, speak to Daniel afterwards. We would like to play them next week as well. So remember, next week we're going to come. We're going to have an extended time of praise and worship. We're going to listen to some testimonies. We're going to just love the Lord Jesus Christ through music and song as well. And uh, even some of us are just going to sing and rock this place. Okay, so uh, are you with me? You're not too cross with me? Just go and do it. Just go and do God's word. Go and do God's will his way. Goed.